Well, how much impact does our job have on our lives? Well, listen to this. Did you know that 33% of heart attacks happen on Monday morning? Listen to this. More people die at 9 a.m. on Monday morning than any other time of day, any other day in the week. And you say, amen. I almost was one of those stats last Monday morning. Suicide numbers for men are the highest on Sunday nights. Is that because they anticipate what is coming up the following day with their work week? Now, while that might be a little bit on the dramatic side, we know that there's a measure of reality to what we're talking about there, isn't there? Our jobs, the work that we do with our lives, has a great impact on our lives. And many times when we're thinking about uh, working, as we're thinking about doing the jobs that we have and living out our faith, there's a huge disconnect between walking with God and living in the workplace. To summarize a bold statement that one author made about this, they said, in nothing, in nothing, they said, have God's people so lost their hold on reality as in our failure to understand and respect the workplace. We have allowed work and our relationship with God to become separate departments. That's because of that. In our study of Ephesians chapter 6, we're coming to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And that passage deals with these employer-employee relationships. And that's why over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about God at work. We're going to talk about giving your job to the Lord. How do I live for God in the workplace? Or, or how do I see my work the way God wants me to see it? And today we're going to start that by talking about the purpose for work. And we're going to ask this question, why do I have to work? <laughs> you know, God, look, I mean, I know you're in control, and I know you've planned this whole deal. And, and you know what? As he was making it up, as he was creating it, he could have done it any old way he wanted to, right? He had some kind of plan, and part of that plan was work. And we wouldn't say this to him, but we'd almost think, Lord, what were you thinking? Why'd you, why'd, you, why'd you make that part of the plan? Why do we have to work? Well, you might be a mill worker. You might be a business professional. You might be a single adult working two or three jobs. You might be a homemaker. You might be self-employed working out of your home. But the main reason I think most of us would say, if I ask you, why do, I have to, why do you have to work? What would you say? I need the money. I got to pay the bills. I need food. I need shelter. I need clothing. You might also add, I like to get out among people. I, I like it because it gives me a sense of self-worth. Or, or maybe some of us are doing it because we're trying to fulfill somebody's expectations for our lives. Well, let's look at what the Bible says about that. What is the primary purposes that God has created work for? And the first one is work is about provision. We talked about that, didn't we? Work is about provision. We do need money, don't we? I mean, we can sit here all, all day and sing worship songs and praise the Lord and hallelujah and let's do Bible study, but uh, hey, when we get home, I'm planning on doing something. What are you planning on doing? I'm planning on eating. Yeah, and actually, before I do that, I'm planning on coming in a house that's, that's, that's you know, kind of warm and be nice to have some lights on and maybe watch some news or, you know, a ball game or something. I mean, I, we need some resources, don't we? Well, the Bible understands that. The Bible teaches that. And as far as I can tell, the Bible teaches that there are two primary reasons that we work. There are two primary areas that work is to provide for. First of all, God calls us to work to provide for the needs of our own family. But also, God calls us to work 
to provide for the needs of his work and his family in this world. So let's talk about that first one. How important is it to God that I work to support my family? Well, write down this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Now listen to this uh, verse, 1 Timothy 5, 8 is pretty strong words. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What the Bible says is to not think about my family and to not make plans for taking care of my family would make me look very much like I have never experienced a relationship with God. And actually, it makes it look worse than that because many people who don't know Christ uh, still take care of their family, don't they? And so that makes me look pretty bad if I don't have a concern for taking care of my family and providing for them. What the Bible's saying is this is very serious. This is not a good thing. Now, for most of us here today, that's probably common sense. But it's very possible that there are some of us in this room that God might need to challenge on this point that we're talking about. Now, why would that be? Well, I think there's probably a few primary reasons that we would struggle with this. First of all, laziness. Are there people who don't want to work? <laughs> yeah. yeah, some of you are smiling because you're thinking of somebody. Let's don't have any testimonies, okay? Let's don't name any names this morning. But you can think of people that you have worked with or you're working with right now that, boy, you just have to kind of stay on them to keep them working. There are lazy people in this world. And some of those people who are lazy claim to be followers of Christ. Maybe they are followers of Christ, but God needs to work on their heart about this. What about apathy? Some people just don't care. I mean, are there people today who don't care about taking care of their family? Absolutely. You could even say that's an epidemic in our culture that many parents aren't taking care of their children. And really all that's based on something called selfishness. I'm just concerned about myself. I just do what I want to do and whatever takes care of me. But if that's you today here, friend, I would just want you to hear the word of the Lord. The Bible says that we should work and that we should take care of the needs of our family. Now, for those of you that are, though, I want to give a couple of cautions that the Bible gives us. First of all, don't let, if you are focused on taking care of your family, don't let providing for needs, you could swing from, well, well, I'm not neglecting my family, but you could swing all the way uh, away from that, that you could let providing for your family financially consume your life. It is important, the Bible says, critically important, that we take care of the needs of our family. But while that is important, Matthew 6, verse 33, which some of you might be familiar with, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those other things, which actually right before that verse, it was talking about what are we supposed to eat? What are we supposed to wear? What are we supposed to drink? How do we take care of our needs? And the Bible says, look, God will take care of your needs if you choose to seek Him first and primarily in your life. So providing for physical needs is important, but it's not the only need that we have. In fact, it's not the primary need that we have. If we focus on God and serving Him and seeking Him, He promises to take care of our needs. And I don't know how many of you out there can affirm that, but I'll just tell you, God has come through in my life. When I've chosen to follow Him and to seek Him, He's provided for my needs every and way and above and beyond what I could have ever imagined. Also, we need to ask God to show us the difference between providing and indulging. Again, while providing for our family is important, in America, sometimes we take that too far, don't we? 
Our idea of providing sometimes goes to an abundance. And so some of us here might be working real hard to provide for our family. At least that's what we're telling ourselves. There are many men, in fact, that I see this uh, this as a big problem with. Many men, and to be honest with you guys, I think sometimes it's a form of laziness. You say, laziness? Well, I'm working 16 hours a day. It's laziness because we don't want to deal with other issues. We say, oh, I'm providing for my family, and so we've got two cars, and we got this, and we got that, and my kids are in these schools, or whatever. You know, my kids are involved in all these activities. We have everything that we need. But listen, God's telling us we might be working real hard to provide an abundance of things, and we need to be careful about that. It's great that you provide for your family, but let's be careful about indulging. But also, remember what I said, it's not just providing for our family, but God calls us to support whose family? His family. One of the reasons for work is provision. Providing for our family, absolutely, that's critical. But also providing for the work of God's family. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. God tells his people, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. God says, listen, I want my people. It's been from the beginning of God's word all the way back in Genesis. There's been a pattern set up that God wants his people to give out of the abundance of the increase that he gives me. When God increases me and my wealth, no matter how big or small that is, when God gives me added resources, I'm to take a tenth of that, he said, as a standard. Now, that's not a hard and fast. But, but a tenth of that, he said, is a standard. In fact, many people go above and beyond that. Praise God. You see that attitude in God's Word. But he says, I want you to bring that, that, those tithes, those offerings, into the storehouse. The storehouse. That's an interesting word. A storehouse. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple. In the New Testament, the storehouse is the church family. God says, bring that tithe into the storehouse, and then he gives a purpose in verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Now, isn't that interesting? You know what? Many times today, people see a church as having a handout, <laughs> but that's not because they're wanting to serve. They see church as, hey, can you help us out? You know, in fact, I was joking around with the ladies of the clothes closet on Friday. They were putting all that stuff together. I said, man, this is a store. I mean, there's a lot of nice clothes in this room. I said, man, if we want to get greedy, we could really mess this thing up, couldn't we? We could say, let's start charging. We could have a fundraiser here. These are nice clothes, and we could make some money off of this. That'd kill it real quick, wouldn't it? I mean, here we are trying to help other people, and we start seeing dollar signs. You know what? That's the way the world sees the churches. The church is like, would y'all please help us? We're begging for help. Doesn't that give a terrible view of God? Poor God. He's just barely getting by. Can't even pay his bills, and he's asking everybody just to kind of come bail him out. You know what I believe, church family? If God's people are faithful to give what God has called us to give, if we love Him, if God's people are faithful to do that, there will never be a lack of resource. Did you hear that? There will never be... Is there any lack of resource with God? He says, bring it to me so that there may be food in my house when people are hungry. Now, that could be physical needs. That could be spiritual needs. When people are looking and hungry, there will be plenty in my house because you have provided it. The focus is getting that to God's people so that we can work together to distribute those blessings to others. And the larger principle of this really is that God wants us to work or to earn resources to share, to meet our needs, but also to reach out 
and to meet the needs of other people. Let me give you some uh, other verses that you can write down, maybe look at later. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 18, says that those who have resources should be willing to share with others. It says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich, not just in material things, but in good works, to be generous or free givers, is what it says, and to be ready to share with other people. Also, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Now, Ephesians 4 is uh, kind of funny because uh, what it says is, as Paul is giving instructions to new believers, uh, you know, it's possible that there's somebody in this room who steals. Or it's very likely that there's somebody in this room who used to steal, but because God's worked on your life, now you no longer do that. You know what? That's the way it's always been. We're a bunch of sinners, aren't we? Yours might be thievery. Mine might be something else, but we're sinners. And as he was talking to people who struggled with that particular area, he said, he who steals must steal no longer. God says, if you've been stealing, stop stealing. What that's saying is, and we're going to see this in what he's about to say. What it's saying is, somebody has worked for something, and, and you know what? That has value. That work has value, and they've exchanged the value of that work for the value of some items. I mean, I'm trying to teach my kids that about dollar bills. <laughs> you know, that's just paper, but it represents blood, sweat, and tears. Amen. I mean, it's it, that piece of paper represents work that somebody has done, and we exchange that work for an item, for a good, for a service. To steal somebody else's is to basically use their work, right? That's wrong, the Bible says. He says, so stop doing that, but rather he must labor. He says, instead of taking somebody else's labor, you labor performing with your own hands what is good, now listen to this, so that he will have something to share with those who are in need. Now isn't that like God? He takes us. You know how I am? I see your stuff. I say, I sure am glad you work for it. I want it. So I don't have to work for it. I'm going to take yours. God takes us thieves and turns us around and now makes us workers. And now not only are we workers, but we're workers who would give somebody else our hard work. I worked hard for these items, but now I'm going to share them with you because you're in need. Isn't that just like God? Proverbs chapter 21, verse 26 tells us that the righteous are godly people, do not spare, they do not hold back. It says the righteous gives and does not hold back. God's people aren't stingy. God's people aren't hoarding. God's people aren't keeping to ourselves. God's people want to share with others. So one of the reasons that we work is work is about provision. First of all, we're called to take care of our own family's needs. Secondly, we're called by God to resource His work in people's lives but it's more than just provision. The second thing is work is about participation. I like this one. Work is about participation. You know, many times uh, when we think about work, that's not a very positive connotation, is it? We think about it in a negative way. In fact, work is something most of us are trying to get away from. Amen? <laughs> I don't want to do any more than I have to. Is that what you would say? Or somebody said this. Now, is this not true? We think of work as a necessary evil that comes between amen, brief periods of enjoyment on the weekends. It's primarily a way to pay the bills and show, show responsibility. Do you feel that way sometimes? 
Man, I'm just working for the weekend. I, 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 I've experienced sometimes almost resenting a day off because that's just the bell going off that dings for the next work week. So you ever feel that way? You just resent your day off because you know, you know what? That's going to be the start of this whole thing over again. You got five or six days of just working, working, and then all of a sudden, maybe you can kind of enjoy it. And then you got work, work, work again. As one man said, thinking about work like that can make it pretty depressing. If it's just about being responsible and providing resources, my life insurance makes me worth more to them dead than alive. <laughs> Anybody feel like that? I may as well be dead and they can have more money that I can't create. If that's how you're feeling about your employment, God has something He wants you to understand today. He intends for work to be a blessing. Now, that may be take faith for some of us today because right now you say, I'm not seeing it. But God intends for work to be a blessing, not a curse. So let's talk about that curse part. Is work a curse? Well, based on many of our experiences, what we say. Yeah, it can be. Even the very word work sounds kind of hard, doesn't it? We use the phrase, well, that's going to take a lot of what? That's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take work. It's not going to be easy. And the Bible talks about the challenges of work. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, God was honest from the very beginning of His Word. Now that part came because of sin. Because of the sin that Adam and Eve had committed, God said, congratulations, work is going to be hard from now on. Well, thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. Amen? <laughs> thanks for a lot of things. And the Bible acknowledges the difficulty even the futility of work sometimes. Write down Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 3. Ecclesiastes 1, 3 says, um, let me find that there. Ecclesiastes 1, 3 says, What advantage does man have in all his work which he does under the sun? Do you ever feel like that? What good is all this work? I'm doing all this work. What good is it doing? The Bible says that work can be empty. It can seem meaningless. It can seem monotonous sometimes. And then uh, you say, well, yeah, but I don't care about my work. All I'm doing, I, you know, I'll do anything. Uh, I, I'll work anywhere. I don't have to like my job. I'm, I'm just doing this so I can produce something. Okay, but the Bible says that even that can be empty. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9 says, Solomon says, I did that too. I worked hard. I made a lot. He said, I became great. I increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. I had it going, man. I, it was going great. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. And then he says, I just sat back and looked at it. After all the hard work, after all that I'd earned, and I'd earned a lot, he said, thus I considered all my activities which my hand had done and labored, which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Solomon says, first of all, it's hard to work. And sometimes that can be kind of, you know, dead and vain, meaningless, empty. But he says even the work after it's over, and, and the Bible says, yeah, work does produce something. All the things that I produced, even the fruit of work can be empty, can it? How many families today have worked very hard have earned quite a bit, but it's still empty, isn't it? And the Bible says down in verse 18 of that, he says, not only that, but after I produce all this, let me tell you something that's depressing, somebody else is going to enjoy it. 
Amen. I spend, you know, I, sometimes we'll be working on our house, and I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll say, um, and I got to be careful about being too, uh, uh, you know, rationalistic about this. And we just need to take care of the house, right? But sometimes I'll just think about, I say, you know what? We're painting this room. Then we're going to paint the next room. Then we're going to paint the next room. Then we're going to fix that. Then when we get through, we're probably going to want to paint the room all over again, right? The first one that we started. So here we are spending all this time, and one day our kids are going to come along, and they're going to say, we don't like the colors y'all did, and they're just going to get a painter to come in and paint it anyway because I'm going to leave them enough life insurance that they can pay a painter instead of painting it themselves. They're going to say, I don't like mom and dad's house anyway. They're going to sell it and make a bunch of money. (laughs) That does get depressing, doesn't it? (laughs) So I say, why even start in the first place? (laughs) No, no, ladies, I do. I care. But truly, if you think about it, that is part of the story, isn't it? But does work has to be seen as primarily negative? Well, consider this. Work actually came before sin came. That might be surprising to you, but the Bible says that work came before the fall of men and women. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, as God's given a general overview of creation, it says God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. God blessed them. So in the same verse that is talking about work, there's talk of blessing. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I don't know about you, but that sounds like work. Ruling over everything, taking care of it. Sounds like work, doesn't it? And then in chapter 2, verse verse 15, it says that God specifically spoke to Adam before creating Eve. He said, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it, and to keep it. They were told to to work the garden, to watch over it. They were given assignments. Now, even though work has been heavily impacted by the fall, in other words, it's become a lot harder and a lot less fun. But work in itself is not a bad thing. Also, The Bible seems to indicate that work is a part of the life of a believer. You know, if if God never intended for us to work, if it was a part of uh, such a terrible thing, He wouldn't have included it so much in His plan for us. When we come to Christ, God doesn't just say, okay, now that you're saved, you're set free, no more work. Does that happen? That's not realistic, is it? In fact, God gives us assignments. In fact, God even calls us his co-laborers in his work. And I'm not just talking about his work in terms of ministry, but I'm talking about his work in terms of God is doing things in this world. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. And God includes us in doing those things in this world as believers. And then did you know something? Please don't scream when I say this. Did you know that we're actually going to have work in heaven? And you say, ah! (laughs) I I thought it was going to be heaven! Yeah, sorry, Nathan, you got to make your bed in heaven, all right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so go ahead and get used to it. You know, we see, we see work as such a negative thing, but the, remember, God's original plan for was, was for man to walk with him in the garden and to work with him. 
Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 says, We will serve God in heaven. Matthew 25, verse 23 tells us that, in fact, this comes at the end of a life of a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. He says, You were, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. And you'd expect him to say, Kick your legs up, just relax. You know what he says? Well done, faithful, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to give you a bunch of things. Somebody say, that sounds pretty close to purgatory. The Bible doesn't teach purgatory. But God says, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you see how God's word is challenging us? Work, apparently can be a part of bringing joy into our lives. In fact, one author said, and isn't it true, generally, unemployed people aren't very happy. Now, I like that word employed. Unemployed means, and we think of that in terms of work, we think of that in terms of working for a company and earning an income, but I also want you to see this as a bigger picture. Like employed means to be engaged to be about something, okay? What God's Word says is in heaven, we will be happily engaged in serving the Lord. And that doesn't mean just playing harps and having song services. I mean, that's not what heaven's about. I mean, we'll certainly have worship services, but it means making our own unique contribution to the kingdom of heaven, whatever that is. I don't know all that that's going to be, but I think it's going to be pretty fun, pretty exciting. You see, God is active. God is dynamic. God is doing something. And He calls us to participate with Him in what He is up to in this world. Don't you sense that? Don't you sense that you have a purpose? Don't you sense that you were created for a reason? Don't you sense that you have a role to play in this world? Whatever that is. And again, let's don't just limit that to a job getting a paycheck. I'm talking about work. I'm talking about assignments. We may be primarily talking about our workplace, but all of us have a role to play. All of us have assignments. All of us have work to be engaged in. Again, I'm not just talking about Bible studies and worship services. Bible studies and worship services are critical to God's work in this world, right? But I want you to begin to change your thinking. I pray that this study that we do changes your thinking a little bit. Many of us think of it like this. I can't wait to get to church. That's my, that's my release. That's my rescue. That's my respite. The world's going crazy all throughout the week, and then I kind of get, whew. And then, all right, buckle up, get mad, get focused, because we've got to make it for a few more days. Then, You know what? We're trying to find heaven here on this earth. We're not going to do it. I want you to change your view of church. I'm glad that it's a respite. I'm glad that it's a release. I'm glad that it's a charge up. But see it more as an equipping. Where do you spend most of your life? Not in worship services. Not in Bible studies. That is not the focus of our life. The focus of our life is to be engaged with God in what He's doing in this world. And apparently, part of His plan was for you to be in that place wherever you are serving, whatever contribution you're making in this life. And so begin to see worship services and Bible studies not as that's what the real thing is, and then I have to do this... Uh, stuff that I resent the rest of the week, begin to see Bible study and worship services and church gathering and, and encouragement and all that as equipping to go back in to the main part of life. What you do Monday through Friday or whenever your work schedule is most of your life, isn't it? 
So instead of resenting and fighting most of my life, see this time together as a charge up, a fill up, and equipping to go back into the normal course of life that I live all throughout the week so that I can serve God there. If you know that God has called you to do what you're doing, you say, wait a minute, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a missionary, we're going to talk more about